welcome to Celluloid Citizens, a podcast about film. I'm Brian O'Connell. I'm Sean M. Thompson. And I'm Gemma Files. And today we're going to be talking about The Handmaiden, a 2016 South Korean erotic thriller, although there's a lot of genre hopping that goes on in the film. Um, it's directed by Park Chan-wook. It's adapted from the 2002 novel Fingersmith by the Welsh writer Sarah Waters. Uh, it stars Kim Min-hee, Kim Tae-ri, Ha Jung-woo, and Cho Jin-wong. Um, and it's shot by Chung Chung-hoon. So that's the, uh, that's the team that brought us The Handmaiden, um, which, you know, I've been wanting to see for a long time. Uh, and I think it was, you know, Gemma, you, you prepared a while back a list of films that you, you know, would be interested in covering on this podcast with us. Right. And uh, The Handmaiden was on it and it, it sort of leaped out at me because I'd been I'd been curious about it for a while. But I guess to I guess to start off, do you have any uh, any reasons? I mean, I think they're fairly self-evident when you watch the movie. <laughs> But do you have any reasons why why that was on your uh, why that you wanted to discuss this movie specifically? Um, the Handmaiden is one of those films that uh, I think few, far fewer fewer people have seen than should have. Um, yeah, and I I'm not entirely sure what the what the holdup is. Um, you know, possibly it's because it's Korean, but on the other hand, you know, Bong Joon-ho is doing pretty well. Right. Um, you know, possibly it's because it's about, uh, it's about two women. I don't know. Um, but then again, it may, as, as we were saying on Twitter, it may be falling into that, um, sudden puritine clickhole kind yeah. of thing where um you know that that whole idea of <laughs> mm. we we can just get rid of sex sex scenes no sex scene um advances <laughs> the plot whereas this is literally a film where the sex scenes do advance the plot yes you know? yes we, indeed yeah there's a sex position as they call well, it yeah, sort of. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, my husband was asking me that today. You know, it's like, is if is there a lot of sex position in this? And I'm like, I don't know. I I remember the sex scenes just being there to have sex, but nevertheless, right. they do still advance the plot. It is um, the eroticism is absolutely baked in. And, yeah, you, you cannot know, separate yeah. this movie from the sex scenes, which I expect. We'll talk a lot about that specific, um, you know, I mean, I, we've voiced our disdain for it before on here. I think this sort of uh, increase, like every week on online, you see the like viral tweets, people saying that, you know, oh, sex scenes are unnecessary because they don't advance the plot, which is, you know, it's wrong on a on a host of levels that are. Yeah. You know, so many levels that I don't think we could even get into all of them on this podcast. But um, in The Handmaiden, I mean, this is just and it was really liberating to watch for me, um, you know, as somebody who's grown up 
with a relatively pretty sexless area of film, even in even in a lot of art house or, or indie movies, yeah. there is a yeah. general reticence or you know lack of interest in maybe you know sex and sexuality. But this film, I mean, it is it is so sexual. Yeah, and so sexy. Yes, it's not it's it's not a clinical examination of sex either, which is I mean, no, not at all. It's 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 very no, it's not like Crash or anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It's not it's not a you know you know it's not a Hanukkah film where the sex is just like this like you know cold detached you know you know almost like an entomologist where you're just watching bodies have sex this is like it it has heat it's got passion and it's not just the sex scenes i mean the whole thing is exquisitely just fetishistic yeah. in every way um yeah and, but and there in, are, yeah go ahead. In, a, in a lot of ways i mean you know without going completely into it right now uh as to why this is this is a story about um, someone who's being absolutely immersed in sexual fetishism from a very, very young age yeah. um, in a very, in a very gross way. You know, yes, it's like yes. a, a, a person who's being, you know, uh, almost kind of mutilated, um, yeah. you know, and made into a, um, you know, thankfully not. Uh, not actually, but, you know, like uh, mentally mutilated almost and made into a vehicle for someone else's sexuality and for the sexuality of other people Mm -hmm. reclaiming their own sexuality. Yeah, that's, it's very powerful in that respect. And I also find that sort of dovetails, um, with, with what you're talking about and also with a lot of discussion in, you know, contemporary discourse about, I find one of the interesting thematic currents in this film is how it approaches the question of pornography, right? And what it means to be involved in a culture that is, you know, saturated with sex in every way, but often, you know, it's a dehumanizing or a controlling version of sex that is being promoted or being, you know, but we'll, we'll get into that because that's, that's a, a solid ways into the film. But I would also just right, like, you know, right before we uh, get into the, the details of the plot, mm-hmm. um, there's more on offer in The Handmaiden than the sex. It's also just an amazingly entertaining movie. I mean, I don't really, you know, when I'm watching movies at home, I tend to enjoy myself or be impressed or whatever. But, right. you know. When watching this, I I felt such a sense of exhilaration and excitement that you know it only comes around rather rarely for me. So it was it's it's also just as a as a thriller or as a um you know it's sort of almost gothic at times. You know the the setup. oh it's absolutely gothic. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got a real um thrust and energy to it, and you know it, it's just you know it's it's a, it's a wonderful film. I'll just I'll just state my opinion of it right out the gate, and that I I really really loved this in every way, um, yeah. and um, I would and recommend it to people who I believe have the have the stomach for sex scenes. But, 
Uh, if yeah. you can, yeah, go yeah, ahead. If, 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 you, if you can just, you know, bite your lip and, and, <laughs> and take it, so to speak. Um, you know, it's, 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 that whole thing is so fascinating for me. Um, it's, those are the moments where I'm like, oh man, I just feel so old. <laughs> so old <laughs> because you know it's like well, in my day we just accepted that people wanted to play with each other's bodies <laughs> and their own bodies and yes. I don't know what these young people are doing these days but um <laughs> but no it's uh yeah I mean every part of the every part of the handmaiden is um done with such care and such pride and such flair such elan you know and it and it it manipulates you in the way that the best kind of films manipulate you it surprises you it makes you go woo you know it's like uh, um and there's a you know it's like a series of discoveries that are the best kind of discovery yeah and i just we don't usually do this. Like, I don't usually feel the need to do this when discussing a film. But um, if you haven't seen The Handmaiden, you can't talk about it without spoilers. So please, if you haven't seen it, turn it on right yeah, go now. Go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch it right now and then come back because you don't want. I mean, you know, I think you know it can stand well enough on its own without the spoilers. But you want the surprise, you know. It's it's fun to be surprised. So definitely watch this movie if you haven't seen it before. Listening to any discussion of it are are unincluded because it's got a lot of twists and you're gonna want to experience those raw. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I am I'm so happy for you, Brian, that you got to see this film without. <laughs> you know, any, any, uh, pre-warning. Let's put it that way. That's good. Um, I know Brian's good though. He somehow managed to avoid fight club spoilers as well. Although that might just be the, that's, hasn't been around. I had no idea that, that that was the twist on fight club. I was shocked because like, I don't know a single person that doesn't know that twist at this point. I was totally blind to it. I did not know that going in. It made me so happy. I was like, this is, yes, this is the exact way. Yes. That's how Fight Club should be experienced. And it's how The Handmaiden. And The Handmaiden yeah. as well. Um, but let's let's just get right into it. Um, okay, so first off, before even the first shot, we get a detail that I love. Um it, it says that there are going to be Japanese subtitles in yellow and Korean subtitles in white, which personally, I love thematic language use in terms yes. of like, you don't tend to get that. I mean, even like, you know, uh, I know Edward Yang's Yi has, uh, for example, has like very purposeful language shifts that say a lot about the characters and everything. But you know, the Criterion edition doesn't bother to indicate when that's happening or like, and it frustrates me because that can be such a a rich and conceptually interesting part of work. So I do appreciate that The Handmaiden, and it's already sort of cueing us to the fact that, you know, people will be wearing multiple masks in this movie. People will be, you know, using different um, sort of you know languages guises various things so yeah. i i just wanted to shut that out because i appreciated the 
the detail. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it locates it in a very specific um, moment in uh, in Korean history. Yes, I um So I'll, I'll be the first to confess. I don't know too much about the the history of Japan's occupation of Korea. Um, mm-hmm. I know, you know, it's it's an ugly history as any colonial history is. Um, and I know that Japan is still dealing with, you know, the effects of Korean prejudice and their, you know, anti-Korean prejudice in their society, as well as, you know, Korea dealing with the ramifications of, you know, post-colonialism. But um, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, one of the um, most recent moments uh, where I saw this illustrated in a um, uh, contemporary set film is in The Wailing. Um, oh, where, I keep meaning to see that. Yeah, you absolutely should see that. Um, I will say that uh, a old Japanese man um, moves into a, well, not into the village, but near the village, uh, mm-hmm. a Korean village in a rural, a very rural Korean area. Um, and people are already um, disposed not to like him. Uh, because he's Japanese, they have yeah. a prejudice against him, and they assume that he's going to have a prejudice against them. Mm-hmm. But more and more, um, he is uh, he is shown to, in fact, be uh, you know th- they play with the idea that he's inhabited by evil, by genuine mm-hmm. evil, you know, mm-hmm. and that their prejudice is um, you know. It's like, is it a warning or is it or does it even matter? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I, I agree with you that, you know, colonial occupation is always um, a very dis- divisive and, and essentially disgusting thing. It's, um, you know, it's the way that we uh, it's the way that. Um, oh God, it's, it's the way that countries cross pollinate. In a really strange way, but also it leaves these fissures. Um, and in this particular case, it's extraordinarily um, important to know yeah. that Which... there there are, you know, Koreans who are are uh, clinging to Korean culture, and then there are Koreans um, who actually uh, are very Japanese influenced. And then there are people who are left behind by the Japanese occupation. And it's also interesting that um, just, I haven't read it because, you know, so I'll just briefly note on it, but um, this is adapted from a Welsh novel that was set in Victorian Britain, which is crazy to me because in this film, the context of, you know, Jap- Japan-occupied Korea is feels so essential and integral. So it's interesting that that story has actually, you know, it's migrated from from Britain um, and and the UK and all of those that yeah, region. Yeah, and and it's absent completely. Um, at the most, you have obviously a a class struggle element. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, a class, uh, a class dichotomy, I suppose. Um, and, a, you know, there there are a, a, a fair few things that they've taken from the novel, 
but the novel itself is a far more Dickensian kind of novel. Mm. Um, and it's far more about, you know, running a scam and the twists that come out of that. Mm. Um, here, the scam is there, but it's, again, it's in the service of character development. Right, um, right, right. Yeah. And, and I love the, the other main similarity is I love that, uh, both of their titles are double entendres, you know, I just love that dirty puns, uh, but it's funny. Um, so anyway, so, okay, we get, we get right into it with this young girl, um, Suki, who is a, you know, she's, she's sort of raised in this den of scammers. Uh, her mother was a scammer who got hung, um, for her crimes after she got caught and they sort of, I think, what is it that they, they raise orphans and then sell them to the Japanese? Is that, was, yeah. 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 So it's already, you know, you're seeing that sort of parasitic mutualistic relationship between the two. Um, and basically she's going to work as a maid for this, Japanese heiress. Um, this is part one of the film, by the way. This is a film that, you know, just so you know, to take it really seriously, it's got three parts so that are each announced in title. Um, and so anyway, so it's she's sent to this extraordinary house. Um, well, OK, so let me just actually ask you guys some things before we, we go into this. Okay. Um, do you think we can discuss things in like non-chronological order? Because certain bits of information are revealed as we go along, but it might be easier for the purposes of our discussion to, to drop some of that sooner rather than later. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So right off pretty soon, shortly into the film, we learn that Suki is not in fact going to work just as, you know, the Korean maid, the handmaiden to this, uh, you know, Japanese lady whose whose last maid was let go. Um, we learn that basically, uh, Lady Hideko, who is the the woman she's going to work for, is this heiress to this great fortune, right? But her mother and her aunt have both died, so for almost her whole life, she's been raised by her uncle. Um, right. Who's this, you know, wealthy book collector, wink, wink. We'll learn more about those books later. But he <laughs> sort of he sort of aspires to be Japanese in a way, even though he's Korean, like he, he has aspirations toward that status. So he collaborates with with the Japanese who are, you know, basically taking over his country in yep. exchange for gold. Um and he is planning to marry uh, Lady Hideko when she's of age to gain access to her fortune. Um, but this isn't, you know, th this group is trying to interfere with that because there's, this is so convoluted to explain, but um, <laughs> there's this basically, there's this Korean con man, like a farmer's son, who is planning to posture as a Japanese nobleman, the Count Fujiwara, right. to marry Hideko, then get her fortune, 
and then ship Lady Hideko to a madhouse, and then he'll just have access to her fortune. Yeah. And basically, the pickpocket, Suki, is there to act as like a plant uh, in the place of a maid to convince Lady Hideko to marry the Count, air quotes around Count. Okay. So yeah. this is already a pretty, you know, a, a tight setup for a story. Um, and it's it's explained quite economically in, like, this rather rapid monologue. You have to keep up with it a bit. But um, basically... Yeah, but- yeah, this is a character who, in uh, the original Fingersmith novel, um, is known as the gentleman. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the idea is that he's probably the bastard son of someone at, at, in a higher um, echelon of the class system. Yeah. Uh, and he's gotten a certain amount of education, and therefore he can pass himself off. Um, yes. he, he, he can literally talk the talk. And walk the walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's quite convincing in the film as well as the sort of count figure. Even though you know he speaks impeccable Japanese, he's posh, he's refined, but we right. know the whole time, you know. And okay, I'm just gonna say this: um, I don't want to be that guy who only compares, you know, Korean movies to other Korean movies, but sure. <laughs> um, you know, because that's really reductive and terrible, but. I will say that I did, and and well into the first part, I was catching echoes of Parasite in here in terms mm. of this sort of, you know, sinister sort of constructure where the underclass is, you know, swapping themselves out with, you know, the, the uh, you know, servants and various uh, important positions in the upper class realm. Um, in order to to sort of scam them out of their money and wealth um, beyond well, yeah. their yeah I, know, did... I mean there there was this there's this feeling certainly in Parasite that um, you know uh, people in an in an upper class are always gonna have servants and enablers right and they don't think of those people as uh, they almost don't see those people they yes. they think of them as being being like biobots. You know, yeah. so why shouldn't we occupy those positions? Right, 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 right. Sean, did you see that too? Because, like, I definitely got a sort of, I don't know, similarity in structure, which, frankly, it speaks less to, you know, the two directors and their influence and more, I think, to a general political environment in the world today relating to economic desperation and capitalism and all of these various, you know, I mean, you see echoes of it in obviously American and European films as well. But did you get that? Because certainly it felt felt like there was a a similarity in structure there. Um, I don't know if there was. Yeah. I I mean, I saw the, um, I saw some of the, you know, I saw Parasite, but at the same time, yeah, it's such a prevalent um, issue in so many countries in the world. And um, I just figure it's probably just as big an issue in Korea. So that's why it comes up over and over again. So, um, you know, one one of the things that, again, that carries over from Fingersmith is this sense that mm, upper class ladies are kind of like babies um, and they can't do anything for themselves, literally. Um, Yeah. I mean, there is that line a little later on where... uh, Suki goes like you're, you know, I'm going to make you have a pleasant scent, 
Mm-hmm. I uh, I know someone who does this sort of a bath for babies. So you're my baby. Yeah, exactly. You she know, says, uh, yeah. She says that Hid- that Hideko is like her doll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know, is that true? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> but you feel that way through um, much of the first part, where. Basically, so she goes to this house, um, and it's like this great gothic mansion type, you know. She's There's this, I, I don't know if the maid um, who takes her in is meant to be Japanese or Korean. She speaks both languages. Um, mm. I, I forget if that detail was revealed. But almost like this sort of Danvers character who's yeah. like <laughs> this sort of sinister, stern, intimidating maid. Um, who introduces her to, you know, Lady Hideko. I think they first talk when um, Hideko wakes up screaming from a nightmare. Um, And she, it's a very, it's like a very like over the top sort of scene. Like she starts, you know, rambling about how her aunt hung herself from the cherry tree and, you know, uh, outside her window. And, you know, it's very like, it's really there's a heavy gothic element to the whole uh, scenario. Um, but basically, you know, they fall into the the sort of general casual relationship of a maid to uh, her lady. And it does seem that um, Lady Hideko has lived her whole life uh, in like this extremely sheltered, sort of innocent place where she doesn't suspect anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't, you know, it was funny. Okay, let me just, I'll, I'll say, like, midway through part two, my brother, um, who was watching this with me and also loved the movie, sort of astonished, just said, I thought she was totally innocent about sex and all, all of these things. <laughs> like, you know, Like, she doesn't seem to have any knowledge of, you know, eroticism certainly as we see in a later scene um but you know appearances may not be what they seem in this yeah yeah um Um, i i think it really speaks to part of the situation the fact that they um insist on giving suki a uh a japanese name yeah 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 yeah. because you know lady hidoko can't possibly be asked to remember a korean name (laughs) <laughs> right, 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 right. She's not right, used right. to stuff like that. <laughs> yes, and importantly, um, Suki's Japanese is already not particularly good, um, and we later learn in a in a scene that comes back later that she is in fact illiterate uh, in both in both languages. She can't read, yeah. um, which creates an issue when Lady Hideko asks. Suki to read a letter to her from the count, and right. uh, Suki cannot do it because she doesn't she doesn't know what it says. She can't read. Um, but yeah, I, I think that sort of first, you know, it's during the daytime in this case. That that first meeting is important in that you know we see that first off in narration, each part has a different narration to it um in the first part it's Suki's narration she first observes that oh she's really pretty 
um, and is sort of flustered by by that beauty. Um, but is <laughs> flummoxed, I believe, is the word. Sorry, flummoxed. Yes, yes, yes. Which comes up twice. That's why I remember. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's correct. Yeah, she she definitely has that sort of uh, almost like adolescent look of you know like you're just sort of shocked <laughs> when she yeah. when she first meets her. Oh shit, she's hot. Yeah, she's hot, which complicates things. <laughs> um, and then also equally as importantly, we get to uh, the lady Hideko shows her the clothing right like the the various i've heard that apparently um park chan wook has like like a fetishistic obsession with costumes and then that's <laughs> definitely on i haven't actually seen any of his other films although i i keep meaning to see old boy but um old boy was great and i what i think is interesting <clears throat> excuse me about watching handmaiden after having seen uh some of his other films especially old boy is sort of, you get the sense he knew that he was known for having a a film with a big twist. Yeah. So he was like, how do I do this and subvert expectations while still having twists? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, heard, in, yeah uh, in Stoker, too, there's a fetishistic oh, yeah, um, yeah. appreciation for, uh, uh, for um, come on, clothing and shoes in particular, which later pays out as being yeah. part of the plot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, just speaking of which, the costume design and the production design in this film—gorgeous. I mean, just absolutely gorgeous. Wonderful costumes, wonderful sets. Really love it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so yeah, so she, basically, so this is important because Suki, part of her deal with the count is that she will get clothes. You know, like she'll get. Um, uh, a bunch of, you know, of the uh, ladies' clothes and along with some of her money. Yeah, I mean, there's a early on. There's a very funny scene where, I think it's like the first full day she's working for yeah. her. The um, lady Hideko goes off to do her readings. At this point, we don't know what the readings are. We just assume they're regular books. <laughs> um, and Sugi just does not even waste any time just like rifling through all her clothes and opening the drawers right. and trying hats on and yeah it's pretty yeah funny. it's funny it's it's this almost like like childlike wonder like like kid in a candy store where she's been raised in this sort of impoverished home and now she's in like this opulent fantastic yeah. house with the most beautiful things in the world and you really but, you get but a she's, sense. she's also like a magpie and she's also like a cash register you know, yes. you can you can tell that she's she's going like, oh, I could sell this for this much. <laughs> yes, 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 definitely, definitely. Yeah. And you also meant I mean, there's a lot of funny lines she has. Like later on, um, Lady Hideko gets some um, earrings from the count, and she sort of Suki sort of slips up and is like, oh, you could fence those for. And she's, I mean, those are nice. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. She she slips up a lot. Like she isn't actually. She's not very good at it. I mean, she's she's okay at it. Yeah, she's good, but you know, she she actually she's a little clumsy with like you know the information. But you know, you're like, okay, she's clumsy, but you know, the lady doesn't know any better. Ha 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 ha. But um, you know, it's not you know, it, it doesn't seem to be a problem. Um, and actually, I do want to say that a lot of this 
the first part especially and even in later parts there's there's a lot of this but this is a a very funny movie oftentimes like it it, it is yeah. a lot of humor in it um although part two doesn't have a lot of humor but part three <laughs> part three brings back the humor um uh but yeah so it's 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 almost comedic right because you know she's sort of going back and forth and you know feeling sort of sympathy for this lady but at the same time really wanting her money and yeah, just wanting to follow through yeah you know it's like screw her she's japanese screw her she's upper class it doesn't matter you yeah. know it's like so what if she suffers yeah 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 but it's you know at the same time uh she starts to feel a certain sympathy that this woman you know her mother died when she was young and her aunt killed herself and she I, there's a great scene between the two of them that's the first really like uh explicitly connective moment but i, I forget the details but uh hideko is saying something about her mother and that you know oh, i wish i hadn't been born at all and then you know, yeah. Suki sort of says, oh, well, my mother hanged, and then she stutters and hanged herself, <laughs> you know, as well. We we know that, in fact, she was executed for being right. a con man. But um, they bond over that, that sort of lack of, you know, well, actually, Suki actually has had more female support in her life, um, because we see that you know, the environment where she comes from, it's, she's surrounded by women. Um, whereas, you know, yeah. And, and, and in a, and in a strange way, that environment has, um, made sure that she's not going to be caught short by guys like the count. Um, yes, yeah. you know, it's like, it, it, it's very, it's very funny to me how, you know, the count, um, can be overtly charming to everybody else and people can be, uh, ostensibly drawn along by his charm but Suki is just like no yeah no she's not she's not charmed by him she's just sort of there's a great scene where oh yeah like, <laughs> I mean we're jumping around a bit but it's fine this is you know at this point th she's sort of getting in the way of the plan and the count is like he's really fun it's, it's a comic performance he's like why are you fucking this up i mean i thought you wanted the money yeah. and like they go back and forth and then she says fine i'll do it and but don't like he tries to seduce her yes. and he's she's like she says like don't let your joke of your a dick get on my way again or something <laughs> yeah it's very... so do, do not ever dare to put my hand on your joke of a dick of a of a dick yeah. again it's great. It's great. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Um, but, uh, you know, and then there are, you know, at the same time, we start to get the hints of eroticism, which I suppose are sort of like, you know. Yeah, I think one of the first big ones to me was, um, and it's not even that subtle. I mean, you know, Lady Hideko is in the bath, yeah. and this is when she's like, I'm going to make you smell nice with these scents. And she gives her a lollipop because she's like, I don't remember what the reasoning is. It's oh, like, you really? know, you should. Oh, yeah. We give the little kids candy so they associate bath time with That's sweets. That's right. That's right. But so she's like, she's complaining like, oh, I have this sharp tooth. So um, Suki gets a, uh, a file. <laughs> she's going to like. File, yeah. Some kind of file, file she puts on her tooth. thumb. 
and she's like puts her thumb into her mouth and is like staring at her while she's like working her thumb inside of her yeah. mouth <laughs> looking at her breath and then like ends up staring at her boobs and like yeah it's very... and, and, and 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 you know it's like kim Terry is really good at this she's she's extraordinarily good at playing um i've seen her in a bunch of things since mm. the handmaiden and she's extraordinarily good at playing a person who is outwardly very tough um and you can see her cracking by degrees but yeah, in this case, it's sort of like, does she get this? Does she understand that this is a weirdly sexy kind of moment? And yeah, you know, yeah. I it it's like it's like she feels like she's like she's being creepy <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. because it's starting to turn her on. You know, yeah. it's like am I? Am but at I, the same time, which is really one of the really interesting things about this film is that there is i mean she has this sense of being creepy perhaps and um obviously guilt for manipulating this woman but there is never i mean obviously no no surprises this is a film that deals with same-sex attraction um but there's never a sense of shame like there's never a sense of shame for the attraction itself which she's always quite forthright about from the very first meeting um which is so rare like you don't tend to see that in period pieces about gay people. yeah i mean it's nice because yeah so many period pieces where they deal with this sort of unrequited um same-sex attraction or love yeah. like so much of the film is about like the shame yeah. should, or the, should i be know, feeling triangle. this way i mean where where sookie comes from that is the least of your problems Right, right. Yeah, basically. You know, it's in in fact it can be a good thing if you don't care about dudes. Yeah, you know, yeah. You're less you're less likely to get pregnant. Yeah. Um and you know, if if you uh if you in general maybe think that you don't maybe you don't care about sex at all, you're less likely to be manipulated. Right. It's yeah. one less thing to worry about. Um Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, also, to be clear, I, I do enjoy movies about shame <laughs> as well. Yeah, no, that's true. I'm a cruising I, I, I fan. I know you, Brian. I know you do. Uh, but this, it's it's good to see. We should cover shame, by the way, at some uh, point, thinking of the shame. The Steve McQueen movie? Yeah. Steve uh, movies about shame. Oh, uh, Sorry? Speaking of movies about shame. Yeah, speaking yes. of, oh, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, I, uh, that's quite literal. Shame. Yes. We, we talked about the devils. We talked about cruising. This movie, this movie doesn't have shame. This is different than this. Too. No, no, um, it doesn't. Yeah, but anyway. It's got manipulation, but no, no shame. No shame. Um, yes. Yeah, which yeah, is great. That's, that's, part of the, that's part of the joy of this film, to be frank. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but anyway, so, and then there's this other great scene where uh Suki is dressing her up for I think a meeting with the count um and she's buttoning the you know this is one of the very <laughs> like uh charged moments in the film um where that you know we talked about you know fetishistic attitude toward clothing well this is it I mean and also everybody's got great gloves in this movie wanted to observe that yes. as well yes. which is yeah. a very like uh it's like I, I hear actually that's actually even more pointed in the novel. Um, but, oh yeah. Um, in this, yeah. And I, I heard that one of the things that was excised is that um, 
you know, Lady Hideko never takes off her gloves um, for reasons that, you know, we learned and we would have learned in part two, but that gets that gets cut. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, but she's buttoning her up. And there's that line that um, Gemma, you mentioned earlier, where she's like, ladies really are the dolls of maids or something. And all of these buttons are for me or something, you know, yeah, they're, like, they're 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 for my pleasure. Yeah, you and know. it's great. It's it's that it's really a it's it's a wonderful scene. Well, uh, and and also it reminded me um, <laughs> one of uh, one of the weirder um, moments in Hannibal the series is oh, I'm watching where, that right now. Yeah. Um, okay. So have you gotten to? Uh, oh my God! What is the last name? Margot. Verger. Margot Verger. Yeah. Verger. Have Not you gotten yet. to? Okay. At one point, Mason Verger, um, who's uh, Margot's older brother, um, talks about how uh, their father was unimpressed by the fact that Margot likes girls. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he says, yeah, you know, dad, dad didn't like all that button stitching going on. <laughs> I, was, I was like, wow, that's the that's a very interesting way to put it. Um, and it's a particularly interesting way to put it within the context of the handmaiden, because yes. yeah, there you know it's like it, it 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 seems like a very archaic way to refer to lesbianism, but yeah, yeah the, the idea of you know sticking a button through a through a loop, um, and uh, you know stitching things up and then ripping them open again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you also. I mean, it's not just. That's sort of the, I guess, the erotics of dressing and undressing isn't exclusive even to lesbians. Like, uh, I mean, like, I feel like uh, the age of innocence, there's a memorable scene with a glove in that movie where it's all about that sort of, I mean, the the object of desire. I think a lot of it, too, is it just takes so fucking long to get those clothes off. (laughs) It's sort of like. You have to do it that yeah, way. You, you have to learn to enjoy the process because otherwise you're going to be really, you're, you're going to wreck something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're going to be really disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And it's also interesting in the way that the, I guess the, the stuff that, that clouds the object of desire ultimately you know, just becomes autonomous of the object of desire and becomes like this has its own sexual charge in a way. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, what I think I love about this movie is that, and I won't really jump too far Mm -hmm. ahead, but initially it seems like a very, maybe not standard period piece, but it falls into the same trappings and the same sort of style of like, there's a lot of longing and, unbuttoning and just yeah. you know pointed looks and taking off gloves and then very quickly you realize oh nope they're gonna get rid of that real soon it's just gonna go straight to skin on skin well yeah that's that's i think the next major event um yes. you know hideko and boy is it it's major. wonderful uh hideko returns from a reading she's frustrated she says like you know she says suku should sleep next to her because she's you know, worked up or whatever, and they get in the bed. There's great buildup, and it's like that classic. This is this is something that often occurs in in gay films where they're sort of teasing the possibility of gay desire. She's like, you know, 
So, you know, like, they what will the... share a bed. Yeah. And then, like, what will the count be? Like, what would he do to me, you know, when it's obvious <laughs> who yeah. you're talking about? Um, and she's like, well, he... And I believe Sookie has some inner monologue along the lines of, like, oh, what the Yeah, hell? yeah. She just, like, she's like, I'll, I'll just do this one thing. Like, I'll... I'll just teach her this one yeah, thing. which is a kiss. Pretty soon it's about 20 yeah. things. <laughs> right. Goes into... And it's not necessarily an education, as we may later learn, but uh, it's not new information. But um, uh, you're a naturalist. Yeah, she says that. It's funny. Yeah, I don't think she says it. She thinks uh, it. She, or maybe it she doesn't starts, say it. I can't. It starts off with kissing, and then before you know it, the clothes are coming off, and it's sex. It is sex. <laughs> it is not full, full on sex. It is not. <laughs> and I like that there's very prominent oral sex because, you know, in the history of film, for some reason, women getting eaten out becomes just this big old issue. <laughs> right. And I don't get it because, like, you can watch a million films with dudes getting blown and it's no big mm. deal. But you have one woman getting eaten oh. out. Suddenly it's like automatic NC-17. Yeah, I mean, you know, people have um, people have said before that uh, Cat Dennings uh, at one point um, was talking about the fact that, you know, nothing invites uh, a change in rating faster than a woman having an orgasm on mm. screen. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, it's much more. But I mean, I love how... So I guess we could talk about this. Um, there are yeah. three major sex scenes in The Handmaiden. I mean, there are some other sexual moments, but there are really three big ones. That's right. Know. One one per one per section. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. And, and part two, it's interesting. I'll just observe briefly that... I love this in the movie. Uh, the sex scene in part one ends, right? But the sex scene in part two actually shows us that there was there was more sex to follow. Um, you know. Yeah, there was a director's cut of uh, <laughs> of, of the sex scene. Yes. Yeah, um, but it's uh, so okay. Um, also, I just wanted to a, a Twitter mutual of mine observed that you know you were talking about the oral sex, Sean. Uh, the thing that really yes. sets the handmaid—it's very prominent. Yeah, very prominent. <laughs> I mean, the thing that sets the handmaid apart is the use of, to use a vulgar term, uh, what the what my mutual called "pussy cam," which is—I thought of it as vagina POV, vagina POV, which is great. I loved the the boldness that you know in several shots we're getting. And she just sort of like slowly sticks out her tongue and moves towards the camera. Right. It's like, oh my god! It's uh, it's a shot framed literally from the point of view of Lady Hideko's vagina. I think you even see the yeah, legs. You see yeah. the legs. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, yeah. It's yeah. Wild. <laughs> yeah, it is. And you know, it's like I I, I remember um, people discussing it afterwards. Women discussing yes. it afterwards and going is this exploitative because yeah you know it's it's two women but uh a man choreographed this and you know i my 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 personal feeling is no my personal feeling is that in fact the person choreographing this um is you know lady hideko <laughs> yes <laughs> You know, the, the whole uh, the whole movie is about that. The whole movie is about, you know, um, her <clears throat> reclaiming 
what has been, you know, poisoned for her. Um, and uh, and I I really feel that uh, Park Chan Wook is, you know, he, he's so super aware of that from the yeah. Beginning. I was so I was reading a lot about the debate surrounding these these sex scenes not the the juvenile you know yeah. there shouldn't be any sex scenes because that's obviously Ever. ridiculous but um <laughs> uh, more yeah it's scenes. basically just a temper tantrum of vagina yeah. bag. <laughs> but, um but also the debate about whether this scene falls and the other scenes fall into the you know the dreaded trap of the male gaze that you oh, know, yes objective which is very interesting because this film really addresses the male gaze and in, in later scenes in a lot of really interesting ways but um yeah. you know whether or not you know somebody was saying that uh you know these are pornographic cliches of lesbianism and then somebody else was saying well isn't that isn't part of the thing that you know again we're getting ahead of ourselves a bit but lady hideko is consciously enacting and reclaiming pornographic cliches in that way and that you know you know obviously like there's pleasure to be found in enacting a, a pornographic cliche um and then also you know one of the more interesting and nuanced critiques of the sex scenes that did not center on objectification right um came from the the great gretchen falker martin wonderful <laughs> writer great tweetist um who uh she she observed she liked the film but she felt that the sex scenes failed to individuate the two women as, you know, sexual beings and that, and this is purposeful, clearly, the, the compositions during the sex scenes tend to emphasize symmetry and, yes. yeah, unity. Yeah, and unity, um, you know, so it's, it's clearly a demonstration of, you know, not just the love and the pleasure, but also female solidarity with each other and equality and companionship yeah, yeah. Um, and she yeah, felt that that was a little reductive but i don't know if i agree yeah, in that it's, it's possible but um no i i agree that it's it's far more about solidarity and it's about um you know who is the handmaiden and who is the lady and who you know it's like yeah. are, are these all just roles that we can discard yeah 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 when, yeah. when we do in it <laughs> and also you know i might not be the person to comment on this as, mm. a, as a gay person a gay man but oh, i can comment <laughs> <laughs> but it is uh it is it's just hot you know it is and i like that i like that it is also sexy like it is sexy what's happening not in an objectifying sense but it is very much you know it's it's about pleasure it's not you know it's not like a forensic examination um you know I, no it's very warm it's not it's not cold no 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 it's it's very active yes. you know it's not one person laying there while the other does it's very frenetic. yeah exactly you you expect um suki to be you know to some degree uh subservient to lady hideko's pleasure but lady hideko is not interested in that <laughs> no, <laughs> which is which is which is very interesting to me. Um, and she also has a long category of things she can rifle through in her head. Yes, yes. Well, 
You know, it's like, let me find those. You know, it's like, does this work? Does this work? Does this? Oh my God, that does work. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so we'll we'll talk more about the sex scene when sex scene number two comes up because that gives us which is the same but the extended yeah cut. it gives us more and the same but different. I mean, I'll just say now when. In the in the longer cut of the sex scene, when when the '69 scene came up, I was like, I cheered. I, I was like, said, I said, I turned to my brother and I just I said, cinema, like that's cinema. That's cinema. <laughs> I mean, really. I loved your tweet about this, by the way. That was just like the handmaid fucks hard. It, it does with fuck like hard. A capital H. <laughs> it fucks hard. Um, it does. I mean, it's such and such a joy. It really is a joy to to see a movie that is unafraid to fuck hard um, in today's. It's also unafraid to make men's sexuality look stupid yeah. as hell. Yeah, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, I found that so funny. I mean, I'm not one of those people that cares. I just found it really yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, your joke of a dick, but um, yeah. Well, not even that. Just you know, we'll get to it later on. But just the depictions of men in aroused states seem so it's it's comical. like angry and ridiculous. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah um, I mean, you know, in both cases, Suki, you know, we see a lot of Suki being like, uh, you know, in the yes. first part. But you know, but but the the really important thing is to realize that Hideko is feeling pretty much the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. uh, what are what? Just stop it. <laughs> So obviously this uh this complicates things for for both women but you know the next day Hideko suggests like well maybe I, do you think I should marry him like I might love I don't love him like uh, I might love someone else right? right and Suki who has been pressured by the count says no you should marry him like you should I mean, he's great. Yeah. He's great. Like, oh, so there's the the funny bit. Like, um, the count earlier in the film is like, you know, tell her that everything good is because of me arriving, and she's like, oh, your your toenails seem to be growing more. <laughs> yeah, all of those details. <laughs> um, yeah, but but this really upsets Hideko, who slaps her um, several times and thrusts her out of the room. And then that scene ends. And, you know, we find out subsequently and we'll get to it when we get to it. But... Yeah, well, that's that's a big reveal when we find out what happened after that. Uh, but we don't right yeah. now. It just looks... Right now we don't. No, we just cut to the... Uh, uh, the we Yeah, they agree to get married. Yeah. So... Or, I mean, uh, the Count, rather, and Lady Hideko agree to get married. So the, the, the cruel uncle heads out. He's got a... Oh, there's a great scene, um, which we didn't mention, but... Uh, Suki walks in on them in his library, and there's this snake, and there's this great like whoosh pan right over, the, you know, a track I should say right over the uh, floor. But you, you know, obviously there's something odd about her relationship with her uncle. But you know, odd we assume in the way that he's just the repressive patriarchal figure in her life. And well, also you know, watch out for the snake is very uh... that is odd. <laughs> Yeah. Well, is. no, it's very it's, it's very on the very nose. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Watch out for that snake because the yeah, snake there's is... even a later gate, we break the snake. The yes. gate crashes shut when she. Uh, but basically, so uh, the uncle decides to leave on business, and he tells 
Deco, a line that we'll we'll find out about it. But um, remember the remember basement. the basement, which again, when I first saw that, I felt that that was another resonance with Parasite, in that you know, okay, dark things in the yeah. basement. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, but but this is a very different type of secret in the basement, which we'll find out about later. Um, but anyway, so Hugh leaves, and then basically they elope, and there's this great uh, scene. Uh, but but Hideko insists that Suki come as the maid, which right. the count you know is like oh, whatever. But okay, I'll be your maid. No, 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 no. I need Suki. Yes, yes, yeah. So they flee together. It's a great scene. They're running over the, you know, the sort of countryside. Beautiful moonlit views and everything. Um, it's a good montage. They go, they they sail to Japan, right? And then I mean, I love the way that there are mirroring shots, but when you have different uh, contextual information, yeah. it changes the dynamic of the scene. Even though it's seemingly the scene, well, it is the yeah, same. Yeah, scene. yeah, yeah. We learn. We learn stuff about that, um, you know, particular chase through, uh, not chase, but but ramble through the woods, you know. Uh, but, yeah, so they go, it's a montage, it's nice, you know. And then Suki basically lies in the next room on their wedding night um, and hears what we assume is... Uh, Lady Hideko's painful divergenization by the right. count. Yeah, um, and and she's like, uh, I don't like this. <laughs> yes, she sings a song actually to to you know cover you know it just distract herself from it. And in the next morning, we see stains of blood on the mattress. Um, right. So yeah, it's it's very you know there's a certain narrative that the film is drawing you to believe like so far you know this is exciting it's certainly a great you know i was i was captivated on everything but it isn't too abnormal a period piece um right now you're feeling the sense of increasing dread and tragedy that lady hideko is going to be sent to the madhouse and then they'll never see each other again. And they're sort of stealing kisses when the count isn't looking and, you know, all of these various things. But um, eventually the count calls the, uh, uh, you know, doctors from the asylum and he has them talk to Suki. And she says, you know, oh, yeah, um, you know, that lady... You know, she thinks, uh, she, she seems strange. She's behaving strangely. She doesn't treat me like her maid or whatever, right? All of these. Yeah, huh. yeah that's, All that's of these... she's crazy. Because <laughs> yeah. she treats me like a human being. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, you know, this sequence, I thought it occurred to me that it was odd that they were having the, the people talk to her maid. Yeah. But I was like, well, you know, I guess they're just gathering information. But, um. Well, they might, you know, yeah, at that point when I first saw this, I figured, well, I mean, maybe the handmaiden gets to know stuff that the husband doesn't, right. which would make right. sense. Right. Well, and but, you can't possibly ask a, a Japanese, you know, a Japanese um, aristocrat about her own mental state. You can't yeah, possibly. True. <laughs> right. um, but they go off to the asylum, um, basically, and they're both beautifully costumed in the scene. Suki included, it's abnormal to see her 
um, so well-dressed, like not in her maid costume. But, you know, as Lady Hideko observed earlier, she certainly looks like a lady. Wink, wink. Yes, <laughs> um, when, when you dress her up. When you dress her up, she looks just like a lady. And yeah. in fact, when they get to the asylum, she tries to uh, to to take Hideko to the uh, you know the um, the the cell. But in fact, they seize Suki. They seize her. Yes. You know, they believe her. You know, they believe that she is the countess, an insane woman who thinks she's her maid and her maid is the the lady. Um, <laughs> and it's a it's a shocker. Um, and you see, you know, uh, Hideko giving this sort of ambiguous look at uh, Suki, who's screaming and yelling, and at the same time informing us in voiceover that. Lady Hideko was not, in fact, an innocent, but has always been a, quote, a, a rotten bitch. <laughs> yep. Um, and this, you know, I was just, I felt that was, this is the huge, uh, well, not the huge, but, you know, one of the first pleasurable shocks in the movie to me, where it's like, oh, okay, so this has, you know, ulterior motives the whole time. Yeah. Um and then, you know, you're sort of astonished, and then it cuts, and it's part two. So I love that <laughs> feeling. I love that feeling when uh, when a title appears on the screen, because it gives you this, like, uh, I don't know. It draws you in. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, you get a thrill, because you're like, what the hell's going to happen now? It's like, it's part two. Okay. Time to find out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 